Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Tara Saraban, and you're listening to World's Dumbest Criminals, an upbeat podcast about deadbeat crims. If you're keen to hear about the most ridiculous, bizarre, and downright stupid crimes and criminals in the world ever, you've come to the right place. In today's episode, I'll be talking about a wannabe writer who faked her own kidnapping, a man who attempted to smuggle gold into India in an unusual fashion, an Australian woman who tried to steal a huge bong, a wannabe gangster who accidentally shot himself in his crown jewels, and much more. Alrighty, let's get cracking. According to Medium.com, on the 24th of July 2020, at around 6am, aspiring writer Hannah Potts posted a disturbing Facebook Live video. In the video, the 23-year-old from Princeton, Indiana, claimed to have been in the woods near her house taking pictures of animals when she was kidnapped by a black man. She said he threw her in the boot of a maroon-coloured car, drove her to another location, and was holding her captive in a small room. The video was just a dark screen with Hannah addressing her mother, asking her for help and telling her mum to pass on other messages for her and to call the police to report her kidnapping. In it, she pleaded, You gotta tell the cops everything. You gotta show them this video so they can find me. Now, if you've just been abducted and you have your phone on you, why post to Facebook instead of calling 911? This whole thing is fishier than an aquarium. Hannah's family and friends were, of course, very worried about her well-being. After contacting the police, they created a Facebook group to spread the word of her kidnapping. It was joined by over 4,500 concerned people in 24 hours. They also printed up and distributed flyers with her last known location, a description of the clothing she'd been wearing, and a picture of Hannah on them. The Flyers urged anyone with information on the apparently kidnapped young woman to contact the Princeton, Indiana Police Department. Hannah's twin sister Lauren posted the following online. I need help, Facebook friends. Please share this post. Share this photo. Please help us. My twin sister Hannah posted a video describing that she'd been kidnapped this morning. If you've seen or heard from her, please contact Princeton, Indiana Police Department or my family. Hannah's other sister, Brittany, also posted on Facebook. At this point, all that was really known was that Hannah was last seen by her mum in their home at about 2am. Hannah couldn't sleep and went outside to take a walk and possibly walk to the barn. They live on a country road that's considered very safe. So Hannah had actually gone missing hours earlier than her 6am Facebook Live video. If this was the case and she had her phone on her, why wait so long to use it? 
Did she get caught up in a particularly enthralling game of best friends? Was the lighting so bomb in the boot of the car that she had to take a few hundred selfies? This story did not make any sense from the very beginning. The day after the kidnapping, with questions mounting, it was announced that the FBI had offered their assistance in the search for Hannah Potts. The police had pinged Hannah's mobile phone at around 7am on the morning she disappeared, and they saw it was located only about a mile away from the house she lived in with her mother. When the phone was pinged again at around 7pm, it was in the same place that it had been that morning. The investigation revealed that kidnapping she wrote Hannah had become friends with 34-year-old Maria Hopper, who coincidentally lived about a mile from Hannah's place. When contacted by the authorities, Maria told them that she hadn't seen Hannah since her disappearance and she'd been trying desperately to get in touch with her. After the authorities subpoenaed Hannah's phone records, her text messages essentially provided them with a treasure map leading straight to her location. Sergeant Ballard from the Gibson County Sheriff's Office read texts between Maria and Hannah that detailed the plans they were making for Hannah's apparent kidnapping. This included plans for Hannah to be picked up early on the morning of her abduction and revealed that she'd intended to turn off the location on her phone to confuse the police. But she must have forgotten to do that last bit. Sergeant Ballard and a team of deputies banged on Maria's door on the morning of July 26th. Once inside, they questioned her and her boyfriend, 45-year-old Joshua Thomas, whose Facebook posts show that he's a huge lover of the Confederate flag, guns and big trucks. After Maria doubled down on her claims that she hadn't seen or heard from Hannah, Sergeant Ballard asked her permission to search her house. Even though she vehemently denied that Hannah was there, she did allow the police to search the property. In the basement, there was a small area that was blocked off by a piece of plywood with a lock on it. When Sergeant Ballard asked her about it, Maria claimed that the space was full of spiders. Oh yeah, yeah, that room down there. Yeah, that's where we keep our vast collection of venomous spiders. You don't want to look in there. Those buggers are jumpy and very bitey and they just don't like cops. As Sergeant Ballard undid the lock to access the spider room, Maria finally came clean and confessed that Hannah was hiding in there. According to the affidavit, Sergeant Ballard reported that, after being ordered to show herself, Hannah Potts then uncovered herself from the back corner of the area. She was wearing a fully functioning handcuff on her right wrist and also had fully functioning shackles binding her ankles. But don't worry, listeners, Hannah had actually procured the shackles and handcuffs and put them on herself. When the police asked Hannah to accompany them to the sheriff's office, she initially told them that she did not want to go. She said she was perfectly happy in the basement. Maria and Josh were bringing her snacks, and it turned out there were a lot less spiders down there than the police had been led to believe. Eventually, she agreed to go to the sheriff's office, and that's where the twisted truth all came tumbling out of her lying mouth. It seems that lacking in imagination, unpublished writer Hannah had planned her ill-thought-out kidnapping with the help of Maria and Josh as research for a manuscript she was writing. Come on, the rest of us just use the internet for research, Hannah. 
I think it's pretty safe to assume she also wanted attention and to give her mother and family a metaphorical punch in the nuts. That Facebook Live video was designed entirely just to spread misinformation and make the people closest to her worried sick. Oh, and possibly get black men driving maroon cars targeted by the police. Hannah admitted that she'd been organising her abduction and rehearsing the Facebook Live video for over a week. Over a week? And there weren't even any snazzy choreographed dance moves? The TikTokers are so unimpressed. Under questioning, Maria and Josh admitted to lying to police and helping Hannah with her plan. All three were arrested and charged with providing false information in connection with the pretend kidnapping. But that was nothing compared to how furious Hannah's concerned family were with the trio for putting them through so much anguish. After the truth was exposed, Hannah's sister Brittany told her friends on Facebook, I publicly disown nor want nothing to do with my sister going forward. She is dead to me. I hope she is prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. My family feel extremely embarrassed and hurt by her actions and the fact she tried pinning this on a person of colour. I pray no black man with a maroon-coloured car was targeted due to her blatant lie. Yeah, she makes a good point. Like, blaming a black man for her fake kidnapping was a particularly low act – especially considering it was nearly two months to the day after George Floyd had been killed. It's also bad form to take up the police's time and resources with your frivolous fake artistic bullshit when there are actual crimes they could be better spending their time and resources on. All three involved in the fake abduction pled guilty in court and were sentenced to probation and community service. If the plot of her fake kidnapping was anything to go by, I'm sure Hannah's book will be a culturally relevant masterpiece of empathy and enlightenment, assuming that she actually ever writes one. A good thing about doing a podcast like this is that you learn a lot of new facts. And a new fact I learned this week is that India charges an 18% tax on any gold you bring into the country. I believe this information will have very little practical bearing on my life, but it certainly affects some people a lot. So much so that in an effort to avoid paying the tax, many people choose to try to smuggle the precious metal into India. Rarely does a day go by where Indian customs don't catch at least a few people trying their hand at gold smuggling. Allthat'sinteresting.com notes that many use chocolate boxes or hidden pockets in purses to hide their precious cargo, while the clever clogs come up with high-tech schemes such as hiding the gold in objects like pens or umbrellas. In October 2020, an Indian man who had flown from Dubai to Kanoa went to a rather extreme measure to try to illegally bring two pounds or nearly a kilo of gold into the country. And he might have got away with it too if it wasn't for his strange walk giving him away. His pained waddle drew the attention of airport staff who flagged him to be investigated. According to the New York Post, staff found around 972 grams of flattened pieces of gold worth an estimated total of $60,000 in the man's anus. 
It hurts just to think about it, doesn't it? Another passenger on the same flight was caught with nearly twice as much hidden gold, but it wasn't made public if he used an orifice or two in the concealment process. A day later, Indian customs officials caught another gold-smuggling man arriving from the United Arab Emirates. This time, he'd lined his underpants with gold, which I can't assume made for a very comfortable flight, though it would have been more comfortable than the gold anus guy, that's for sure. What's also funny is the smugglers' explanations for how the gold happened to be in their orifices in the first place. Dr. Kiran Kumar Kalapu tweeted, The funniest explanation I have heard during questioning smugglers with gold in their rectum is, Sir, I was sleeping in the night. I don't know who put the gold in my backside. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's a likely story. You've got to watch out for strangers filling your rectum with gold while you're asleep. You'd think you'd notice something like that happening, but apparently you don't. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm going to continue on with the theme of putting things in downstairs regions where they don't belong. In June 2017, a Western Australian woman was caught in the act during a five-finger discount that 9news.com referred to as the most foolishly brazen shoplifting attempt you have ever seen. The young woman was caught on CCTV apparently browsing at the counter of the Cloud9 smoke shop in Victoria Park, Perth. As the shop assistant was busy serving another customer, the woman picked up a big glass bong and shoved it down the front of her pants before pulling down her t-shirt over the bulge. Seriously, it was bigger than a wine bottle, and her pants were tight. Although the attempted theft was captured by the security cameras, it's not like the shop assistant needed to review the footage, as the woman had stuck the vase-sized bong down her skinny jeans while standing directly in front of the counter. Cloud9 posted the video on their Facebook page with the caption, this lady thought she could get away with shoving a large glass water pipe down her pants and walking out. Now, I know we're an adult shop, but we ain't that kind of adult shop. Our implements provide pleasure upstairs, not downstairs. When the staff member confronted the shoplifter about the theft, she initially shrugged and feigned innocence, like, Who, me? Putting a big old bong down the front of my pants? No way! It's not possible! Look how tight my jeans are! But after a few seconds, she gives up the charade, pulls the big-ass bong out of her pants and puts it on the shop counter before walking out as casually as she could under the circumstances. It was so what in the actual fuck. She would have had to either assume that she was wearing a cloak of invisibility or the shop assistant was completely blind or maybe both. Twenty-three-year-old Zachariah McGrew was a local legend in his own lounge room, the kind of guy that acts all tough and won't hesitate to pull a gun on someone. 
He also had excellent taste in music, as guys like that always do. He loved driving around, pumping it at full volume to show everyone in earshot just how formidable and cool he was. So you can imagine how royally pissed off he got when he discovered that someone had stolen the speakers out of his car. Vowing on some ill-thought-out revenge, he stuck a gun down the front of his pants and drove off in his speaker-free car to find the teenage roustabout that he figured had stolen them. The teen was being a rad badass in his front yard when Zack sped up to his house and jumped out of his car. He told the kid he better get in the car with him and take him to where he'd put his speakers. The kid was like, hell no, granddad, which just made hard man Zack even more angry and hard. Figuring the kid would not dare disobey his orders while staring down the barrel of a gun, Zack pulled one from the waistband of his pants and aimed it at him. Instead of cowering in a state of respect and awe, the teenager just sprinted off. Zack still fired a couple of shots at him because car speakers are so important it's worth killing someone and spending the rest of your life in prison over them. We all know that. The kid was probably taught to run from a gunman in a zigzag at preschool and he managed to dodge the bullets. Once he was out of range, a furious and frustrated Zack slid the gun back into his waistband. It's not clear why he fumbled with the gun when doing so, but what was clear was that he shot himself in his own left testicle. Now, being shot in the balls can cause a guy to flinch involuntarily, which is what Zack did. Unfortunately for him, this motion caused him to pull the trigger again, this time shooting himself in his left calf. Zack was charged with aggravated assault and pleaded guilty, but that was the least of his worries by that point. Oh well, at least he still had one good ball. Now it's time for Legend of the Week. After talking about dumb criminals all episode, I'd like to highlight a hero, two-legged or otherwise, who went out of their way to help stop a crime. In January 2019, Pollyanna Viana was sitting outside her apartment in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, waiting for an Uber, when a man came up to her and asked her the time. She checked her phone and told him what time it was, but he kept hanging around harassing her. Pollyanna told the media, He asked me the time, I said it, and I saw he wasn't going to leave, so I already moved to put my cell phone in my waistband, and then he said, give me the phone, don't try to react because I'm armed. Then he put his hand over what was meant to be a gun, but I realized it was too soft. See, what the man did not know was that Pollyanna was a UFC fighter who had earned herself the nickname The Iron Lady for good reason. She punched her would-be attacker twice in the face and then kicked him. When he fell to the ground, she caught him in a rear naked choke. Then she recalled, I sat him down in the same place we were before and said, now we'll have to wait for the police. According to Pollyanna, the mugger said, call the police then, because he was scared I was going to beat him up more. Oh, you should see the pictures. He did not get off lightly. So anyone out there thinking of attacking a woman should rethink their life choices because you never know which of those among us are actually UFC fighters.
To finish up, I have a few punchline crimes for you. These are cases with hardly any information available, and they sound more like jokes than something that actually happened. A man in the UK decided to take up a career as an armed robber. First, he bought a zombie mask from his local petrol station. Then three days later, he wore the mask to rob the very same petrol station he'd bought it from. See, the big problem here was that he was the only person to ever buy that kind of mask from the petrol station, and he'd done so under the watchful eye of CCTV cameras. 500 Dodgers, Tom David Victor, 35 X-ray. Mohammed Ashen, an Afghan Taliban commander, was suspected of organising attacks against US and Afghan troops. According to media reports, in 2012, he walked up to a police checkpoint, pointed to a wanted poster with his face on it, and asked for the $100 finder's fee. Due to the fact nobody could explain why he would do this, a US official reportedly told journalists, clearly, this man is an imbecile. Also in 2012, Welsh tourists Rhys Jones and Kerry Mules got really drunk one night and broke into SeaWorld Marine Park on Queensland's Gold Coast. First, they swam with the dolphins. Then, for some reason, they let off a fire extinguisher in the shark enclosure before topping off their night by kidnapping a penguin named Dirk and hightailing it out of there. The next morning, they woke up hungover and tried their incompetent best to care for the penguin by feeding him and putting him in the shower. They later tried to release him into a canal, but thankfully, witnesses called the police before anything bad happened to him. Poor confused penguin Dirk was rescued and returned to SeaWorld unharmed with some wild tales to tell his penguin friends. This brings me to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe if you want to stay up to date with all future episodes. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review. Thank you to Barbara the Dogwash Lady from Australia and Andred Hain from the US for doing just that. If you want more dumb criminals in your life, you could join our World's Dumbest Criminals podcast Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at WDCriminalsPod and Instagram at World's Dumbest Criminals Podcast. I've recently started a Patreon as well, so if you'd like to support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, monthly bonus episodes, and a variety of merchandise, head on over to Patreon and search for World's Dumbest Criminals. I've had some lovely ladies sign up to my Patreon this week, so thank you so much to Lorraine Ledwell, Libby Lodell, Kim Purple and Baby Sam, Alison Schaefermeyer, and Louisa. Stay tuned after the closing music to hear a promo from my friend Paige's podcast, Reverie True Crime. Till next week, look after yourself, stay out of trouble, and whatever you do, don't end up on this podcast. I'm Paige, the host of Reverie True Crime. I tell stories of helpless victims, vicious killers, predators watching their prey before they strike, survivors, 
petty crimes, people we think we know who do the unthinkable, and the dangers that lurk not only in the dead of night, but in plain sight and the light of day. Every once in a while, I'll also tell stories of the frightening paranormal, elusive cryptids, haunted locations, and conspiracies that may be silly or thought-provoking. You can listen to Reverie True Crime wherever you're listening to this podcast. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at Reverie Crime Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and even Tumblr at Reverie True Crime. Remember, stay safe, be aware of your surroundings at all times, and take care. 